Hmm? Yeah, that's a miracle, isn't it? That's okay. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be here finally after being away for weeks on end. Um, I'm out doing my other um, adventures in adventures in the woods. Um, it's kind of before I go into the teaching. It it, it is it is very. Um, it's one of my um, modes of escape, just to be out away from the city, away from all the noise, and um, some people, and, and I spent seven, eight, seven to eight hours a day in a, um, in a, um, a, a very, very, we call it a condo stand, a deer stand. It's very nice, six by six, huge. So it's very comfortable, and um, I really, I, you know, some people can't do it. They can't sit for 15 minutes, much less seven, eight hours. So if you really need some patience, you need to become a, a hunter of, of, of some type of animal. But I enjoy it. I get, to, I get to think. I get to, you know, just really, there's no noise, which is the main thing. You get to move away from all the day-to-day things that you're involved in. No work, no nothing. And you get to, I get to focus on things that, that um, I want to think about instead of, you know, just the, the mundane so I really, I really enjoyed. I did have a have a good time away, and um, I saw some unique things this year in the woods that I won't go into great details. But um, I will, I will say one thing. Now, for those of you that are not hunters, this is going to make no sense at all to you. But there are certain things that you 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 see on TV, like on um, the Outdoor Channel or the Sportsman's Channel where hunters are out there and they hear all different types of sounds that that animals make and see different types of behaviors and this this year i was able to oh this is when i was bow hunting so um, i'm in my stand and it's probably about it's this is before the time change and it's somewhere between 5 and 5 30 it got dark about 5 30 and um you know i've got my um uh, all my calls that i use a grunt call and a you know a a, a all the different types of calls that you make in order to try to attract the animals in the area. <laughs> yeah, what kind of grunt is that? Well, it's very unique if you hear it in the woods from a white-tailed deer. So a grunt call means you're trying to let another buck know you're in the area to draw a bigger trophy animal in, and that's what I'm that's what I'm going for. You can you can harvest does all day long. That's that's easy. So I'm going after trophy buck. So I'm there and I'm grunting and all of a sudden I look to look to my right and I see a few buck deer coming through the creek and then all of, all of a sudden I look to my left. So I have four buck deer um, in, in one area and the biggest one's walking away from me. And whenever they're doing that to get their attention, you do what's called a snort and wheeze call on, on the, uh, the call. And it's saying, come, I want to fight. Um, and so I'm, I'm watching this deer. He stops. He doesn't turn around and look at me. And then he does a snort and wheeze back at me. I've never heard a white-tailed deer do that since I've been hunting for over 20 years. It was, it was just incredible. So uh, that's the one thing I wanted to share that's really unique that is just – and even my brother, who's hunted longer than me, he said he's never heard one of them do that. So it, I didn't get the opportunity to harvest anything, but – like I said, you get to see and hear unique things. I saw a um, uh, a doe come running through the woods, and then all of a sudden a coyote's chasing her. Um, you you see, um, so less people think coyotes are very um, nice animals. They are not. They are vicious animals that prey on other animals in the woods. So if you've ever, and I've I've even seen. You know, some people think, well, how can you, how can you, how can you harvest a, a predator? They're, they're a predator. Uh, well, you know, I've seen uh, the, the, a deer, uh, the whole backside of a deer eaten off from a coyote, and they're still alive walking around through the woods. So it's just part of nature. It's, you know, God put, God put animals here for us to harvest them. You know, every time you go and you have hamburger meat, you know, it comes from a cow, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, anyway, I'm back, and I'm going to be teaching this morning. And what this is going to be of no surprise here, and I almost sound like a broken record here, 
but it seems like all the last you know i don't know five to uh, six different teachings i've done all of them have come from dreams and this is another one so um about a couple of days ago i remember having a dream and there was more details in it but i don't i i wasn't privileged to remember all the details on this one but the thing that that i remember was i kept hearing the phrase agape never fails and i'm like okay i remember it's part of scripture so you know i tucked it away and at that point i don't think monica mcnatt and i had switched um, um time slot so after we had switched i immediately started to really think about this and look at it and this is a familiar um um concept especially agape but i had never really studied out this agape never fails you know so so this was my chance to really pull this up and begin to study it out and it's it's not going to be as much a, a teaching on agape even though part of it it's the it's the failing part and um so in front of you the the word for failed where this is used and we're going to look at this this greek term in the new testament it's ekpipto and it means to in some cases to drop away and and this is really the thing that stood out to me the most was to be driven out of one's course so to fail to or to ekpipto it means to to try to be drive somebody out of the the the, the one's course or, or pathway that you should be on. and also it can also mean to become in inefficient which is very interesting too now uh, and it's used 14 times in the New Testament, and it's translated as fall, fall off, or to be cast. Uh, in one case, it talks about the Word of God taking, um, having no effect. No effect is this word, ekpipto. Um, fall away, fail, and then, and then the word fallen. Okay, so that's, this is the term that we're going to look at this morning in reference to falling now i know in a human sense you know and, I, and i've written this down up here and when we talk about someone that's failing or failure i mean it 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 really means that you're falling short of something okay or you feel like you are i'm speaking from a humanistic standpoint okay um you're falling short of of, of success or some type of achievement that is uh, something that's expected or something you're attempting to do or something that's even desired okay so that that's kind of a humanistic uh, definition of fails and boy uh, you know I, I think about that so many times um, you know when you talk about falling on your face it's, it's not a literal thing it's just me it just means we've fallen short in some way but this term for fail in the Greek sense you know, it's got two terms here, ek and pipto, and I just think it was really interesting that in this dream, I kept hearing that there was a focus about how the agape God never will cause us to drop away or fall away or come short in any way at all. And that's just very interesting. I would never thought of it quite like this before, but this is, I think, one of the reasons why the greatest gift is what? agape because it's never going to cause us we cannot we can never point our finger at god and say you know well the reason i'm falling short is this we can't do because his agape and if we're moving in his agape it's pure it's perfect then it's not we're never going to be driven out of our course or, or our pathway we're never going to be uh, it, it, uh god's agape is, is is not ever insufficient it provides everything that we need to have a passionate relationship with him and it's very it's very interesting so this started me on the study of of this term now i do want to mention and i've written these down the other usages five times this word is used in the book of acts and and the places are very interesting but it just it really just means uh, for example in acts 12 and this is not on your sheet there i just wrote these down this morning um, Acts 12 verse 7 this is where Peter is, is, is in the inner prison and the angel is sent and it says his Peter's chains uh, fell off the word for fell off here is ekpipto 
It also refers to um, um, falling into quicksand in Acts 27:17. I, I didn't realize quicksand was even in the scripture, but it is. Um, and then also there's another in Acts 27, the same chapter. It, it refers to it again as cat being cast upon an island, and then falling upon rocks in Acts 27:29. And then in Acts 27:32, it speaks of this ekpipto of the cutting off of, of rope being let down off the side of the boat, uh, which are which are really interesting. But though I bring those up to say those are pretty self-explanatory as far as something falling off. Uh, but the ones we're looking at now are very very um, very specific as to meanings. So um, I also put on there. You know, the word, when you think of inefficiencies, and I'm just thinking of it from a standpoint of life or work or whatever, there are things that we could, we we look at, and I'm going to use my work scenario to kind of, every company has its flaws, every company has processes that are inefficient, Every every single company, from Facebook to Microsoft, every single one of them. And so, you know, immediately you start thinking about an inefficiency it means there's uh, you're unable to affect or achieve the desired result, um, or, or or things or, or that you see an incompetencies that are going. It, it could be in people, it could be in an organization, and and I bring up the inefficient uh, definings just to kind of show us how agape never operates this way ever ne it says never agape never is inefficient it 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 is never gonna it's never gonna have me on the pathway of become being a saint and then say you know what no I don't do that anymore <laughs> Let, it, it's always going to be focused on what whatever is within the heart of god uh, which you know agape we know is the passionate pursuit of his purpose for our lives and then that passion is in us and that's what drives us to continue so that inner passion that we feel to and some you know it's not always blazing okay you know you, you look at relationships yeah but then other times it's it's still there it's just not as strong <laughs> and those are the times when it's very, very challenging to, you know, try to be tempted to go off on a course of action in, instead of on the, the agape pathway. And void that I think God allows us to experience is say, well, will we continue to turn to him? Will we continue to pursue him? Or will we look for another passion or something else? Here comes the donut. All right. That's not a slur. What the fuck am I about? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's so true, Stacy. So let's look at some of the other usages of where ekpipto is used. And I think this is really interesting in this first one here. That references, you know, the last days, tribulation, and the stars of heaven. And in this case, it speaks of the stars of heaven uh, entering into this ekpipto. In Mark 13, beginning verses 22 through 27, it says, For false Christ, now before we get here, if you go back and you start reading it at, at verse 1, um, Jesus is, is prophesying about the utter destruction of the temple. And he's telling the people that are there and his disciples that this is coming. And they turn and they say, hey, when, when is this going to take place? And then there's a lot of other discussion that goes on. But it comes into these uh, principles where he's talking about the pseudo type of anointings that are going to rise up. And in this case, he says in verse 22, for false Christ. And false prophets are going to rise. There's going to be an awakening of, of, of the pseudo anointings that are going to rise up, that are going to say, hey, you know, this is, this is the way you should walk in sonship here, or this is the, 
This is the prophetic pathway that you need to be going down. Though that's going to happen, and it and it's in a plural form. It's not some singular pseudo anointing that's going to rise up. There's going to be different types that are going to manifest. And if we think about you know, over the last few years, we we've seen this crop up um, in, in 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 the world in the church. And if if we will if we will continue, and I say I'm putting myself in this boat too. If we will stay in the agape. We will not be led astray by pseudo-anointings that come now and in the future. And, and then not only are they are going to rise up, but there's that awakening, then they're going to show signs and wonders. And this is where a lot of people are, 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 are being deceived. They, they think just because there is a sign and there's a wonder, oh, that's from God, right? Well, not necessarily. Um, even, you know, the enemy can can do certain things yeah he's, he's got a lot of limitations but he does things to try to deceive and to seduce people right so this is the main objective of a pseudo christos or a pseudo prophetic anointing that awakens is to bring seduction and and and, and you see the word there it's apple it means to lead people astray more specifically to lead them away from the truth Anything that's considered a pseudo or, you know, we use that pseudonym or whatever. Pseudo means something that's leading, that, that's not true or not associated with the truth. Then we need to shun that and not have anything to do with it at all. Um, and then he brings in, he says, if it were possible, even the elect. So that's us. And we have to be extremely careful that we are not accepting these pseudo anointings that are going to rise up. And, 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 I, and I think they're going to get even more seductive as we approach uh, the, the, the coming of our Lord. I mean, I, I think they're really going to get more hard to discern. So not that we can't, but it's just really true. If, 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 the, if these type of, of false Christ and prophets can, can seduce even the elect, we just have to be very careful. And then Jesus says in verse 23, But take ye heed, and, and behold, I have foretold you all these things. And so to take heed there is not the, the it's, it's, it's a visionary term, blepo, and it, it means you need to take very, you need to look at it very closely because I have, um, I have already made this prediction and I've told you in advance this is coming. And then verse 24 but in those days, after the tribulation, the ellipsis, the, the, which means pressure, the sun's going to be darkened, the moon will not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall ekpipto. There's our word. And the powers, dunamis, that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then you're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great dunamis and glory and then he will send his angels and he's going to gather together his elect the gathering of the elect from the four winds look at this progression here from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth and then to the uttermost part of heaven i like that progression there and especially the uttermost part of heaven so there there's a lot going on here the the stars of heaven Falling. I know, you know, if we look and we study stars throughout the whole scripture, which we, scripture, comparing scripture, John wrote in, in Revelation 1 that the stars represent the angelic, right? In, in, in Revelation 1, he said they represent the seven uh, angels that are assigned to the seven churches. And it's just really interesting. The stars of heaven are going to ekpipto. They're going to they're gonna be, they're going to drop away. They're going to be uh, driven out of their core. And be rendered inefficient in some way. It's just really, really interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, we already know that there, there was a falling away, the fall we call it the fall of Satan, right? I think that's that's very applicable here. That in the fall of the other one third of the angelic that he took with him, 
Um, there's a reason why it speaks of it also speaks of how they they were on the right course and they were driven out of it because of their their fall. It's not the intent of God for anything to fall or fail. It's not. He doesn't want anybody to fail. It's just part of the our nature, our nature, uh, and and then there's enemy forces that 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 are bent on causing people to fail. But most of it's us. I mean, most of it really us. Um, we're stubborn. We're hard-headed. Some of us more than others. You know, I kind of had some spouts yesterday where I was really um, beyond frustrated with things that were going on. But um, and I'm publicly stating that because I'm human. We we all make mistakes. We all fail. And I'm not saying we live in it, but we don't just ignore it either. I try. To, I do my best to try to learn from the things that I fail from. That way I don't go back to them again. But here we've got the, the stars of heaven. At some point after this, this, this pressurized time frame, this is going to happen. And then we come into the passage that uh, we all are aware of. You know, it's the, it's, instead of the love boat, it's the love chapter, right? Okay. The love boat. Man, I remember watching that growing up when I was a, uh, probably 12 or 13 years old. But it's <laughs> I won't go there, stay there too long. But this chapter, I mean, um, you know, you think about the concept of, um, yeah, the pastor's written about uh, and talks a lot about this. How everybody takes it, you know, at weddings and associates the love that's here to a relationship between a husband and a wife and it, it it sounds great but we're really we're really doing a disservice whenever we apply that type of of human love to a perfect agape love it, it's just really interesting <laughs> say, say it again Stacy right right that is what love is right and we don't achieve it and it's it's interesting because the, the love that's mentioned here, I mean, he tells us agape is all this stuff here. And he tells us exactly what, so let, let's just read it. I didn't start at verse 1, but it says, verse, in beginning in verse 4, charity or agape suffers long and is kind. And I'm not going to go back and go over all these because pastor's already done a lot of that. No need to re, re, reinvent the wheel. Charity envies not. Charity or agape veineth not itself and is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. Oh, boy, a lot of times whew, I know I'm not in agape when I'm in that mode. <laughs> you, know you, you know when you're functioning in agape and you know when you're not. Mine was yesterday for about a spate of three or four hours. I, I, had, I, was, I was replacing some mechanical things at home, and it wasn't working right, and I was just, oh. I mean, there wasn't any agape anywhere near in me at that point. It's just really frustrating. But um, Thinks no evil, does not have any type of, of mindset towards cacos. Well, that's evil there. Rejoices not in iniquity, and... We can be thankful for that, right? But rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all. You see the all things. Agape is focused on a lot of different things. And then it says agape never ekpiptos. I had never really honed in on that. On that that phrase there agape is never gonna cause us to fall away or, or lose our course or get off course the agape is always there to keep us perfectly aligned with what's happening and going on within the heart of God and within us because his heart is in us and beating and and his passion is there and it drives us and like I said earlier, it's strong at a lot of times. 20-plus years ago when it first happened, the agape, I mean, it was, you know, strong. Very, you know, over time, 
you know, relationship kind of, it just, it's just the way it is. Some, I can't explain why the, the passion kind of, it's not dwindling. It's not. It's there. It's just you go through different seasons and things in the Lord, and that's just kind of the way it is. I mean, we've all learned that. But we all need to remember that we never, we never, none of us in here wants to leave our first agape. I, I don't think that, you know, you woke up this morning and said, you know what, oh, let's just leave agape. That's just, I'm talking, you know, I don't think any of us have that desire. So agape never fails. Now, what, look at this, though. The next things that are said it speaks of things that are eventually going to come to an end. But whether there be prophecies, they, they're going to fail. And the word for fail there, I've put the term there, they're going to be absolutely rendered useless at some point. I mean, we, we know, and I say at some point, and that, that time frame is when, when we all go to spend eternity in heaven. That's when this is going to cease. We've all heard the arguments where people would say the next one is, yeah, whether there's tongues, they're going to cease. See, there you go, tongues cease, right? No, no, no. Eventually, eventually, that's going to come to an end. Because if we say tongues cease, then that totally contradicts what Paul says in the next chapter about speaking in tongues, right? And it, so, and then he mentions whether... Yeah, we'll look at that um, in, in the next section, but that's, that's so true. And then he says, where there's knowledge or gnosis, it shall vanish away. And it's, it's the same term that's used for uh, prophecies uh, coming to a point where they're going to fail, where they're not going to be use, useful for us anymore. So why would we need anything in, in eternity when we're absolutely perfect? You know, we, we, we won't need that there. We need prophecies now. We need tongues now. We need knowledge now, right? That's, and that's what Paul's saying here. I don't know how people get so twisted in their thinking of, of because if you let Scripture interpret Scripture, it's pretty easy, right? I mean, and, and I know people that, are, that, that think tongues are demonic. They... That's a whole other issue. But Paul is not saying that tongues are demonic. There's no scripture that will ever tell you tongues are demonic. People themselves attach their own interpretations to things, and that's where you get and in, in, can get into serious trouble. But none of us are that way. You know, thankfully, God has helped all of us in directing us and helping us with understandings. But it, all of it comes back to the agape relationship, every single bit of it. And that's why agape is never going to bring us into a point of failure. We're never going to fall short as long as we stay in the agape. And that's always connected to divine relationship. Verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So Paul, I mean, he says it right there. And then he starts to, he starts to speak about a child versus a, a man, and, and we, we all know that uh, someone that's a child is someone that is very innocent, someone that's very immature, um, versus a man or, or a woman, I'm not speaking of gender, just speaks of someone that's very mature, and, and maturity takes time. It's not something that, you, know, you, didn't, you, you weren't born into this world with maturity, right? It happens over time. Experience brings maturity, and so he says in verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. Three threefold uh, listing here about um, uh, declaration, speaking, uh, the understandings, uh, the mindset of, of someone that's immature. He says that happens. And then he says, verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. So there he's speaking of that perfected state that's coming. It's futuristic. And then he concludes it, and now abides, meno, faith, pistis, elpis, and agape, these three. 
but the greatest of every all three of those is the agape. And you link that agape back to the agape never failing, and that's just, we have to say no more. That's it. As long as we can focus on agape, that's it. If that's the only book that was written in this house, that would be all we needed. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I don't think I don't think we're not all. Maybe maybe I said it wrong. Uh, and I was just clarifying. I don't think no, we misunderstand it. I, yeah, yeah. I, oh, the agape is always in us. Right. I mean, I mean, we're connected. <laughs> we we've been born again, and we you know we're on a pathway that is. It's it's just seasonal. I mean, it's it's just um, times and seasons we go through. I mean, but and that's all a learning experience in and of itself is. tell you, hey, get down here. You got some responsibilities down at the base, and you got idolatry and all this other. I mean, it is. It, it, it's the depiction of operating in the heavens and in the earth all at the same time. It, it's a challenge. Yeah. Even but with I Moses, it was. I do love this perspective. It does bring us around to another side of it. I love what you brought, because it, it does open another channel of that of perspective of the agape, which yeah, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna need it, you know. I think this is the first Sunday of this class, and I, and I think it's just a reminder for all of us to bring us back to this is the first, this is the protos agape. Just just remember, and we're gonna see that in the other passage as we as we go through here. Um, any any other comments before we move on? Okay, well let's look at hypto from Carice or Grace. This is this is a this is tragic here. Uh, Paul writes in Galatians five, uh, verses one through twelve. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stecco. It just means you're 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 stationary. You're standing fast. You're not you're not you're really immovable. Is what what your is your position here? In what though? It's in in the liberty or the the freedom. And when you look at the it means freedom there, that, that Greek term, but you study, trace it back to its root, 
and it speaks of uh, someone that is no longer in, uh, in, in enslaved or uh, it's just an unrestrained freedom that he's given us. Echo that. Stay in that. Don't get away from it. Wherefore, Christ has made us free. Free is the same word as liberty there. But then be not entangled again. Don't, don't become ensnared. You know, and, and being ensnared in something, uh, it's like just an entanglement where you've got like vines wrapped all around. You're tangled all up in it. And you can't move. And it even says with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, now I know uh, contextually here this is, he, he's addressing groups of people and the thought of some believed in order to be uh, uh, in the, to be saved you had to be circumcised. And so he's addressing circumcision versus uncircumcision, but we're applying it to who we are as a people. It's still applicable. Um, circumcision is, of the heart is still very much there. Um, but if, if you have been circumcised, Christ is no, of no profit to you. Um, profits you nothing is really what he says. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. <coughs> Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law... You are ekpiptoed from charis. Interesting principle here. So, in in Paul's day, he's he's addressing people that, you know, if they believe that circumcision was a part of being uh, in the family of God, then you got to obey the entire law. You're a debtor to do the entire law, and we know they just couldn't do it. There was no way. And he's trying to make a point here. And he says, if you try to go back to that, you're entering into this point where you are being driven out of the course of the freedom. Remember the freedom he's put them on, right? And, and they're, they're not standing fast. They're, they're vacillating all over the place. From what? Grace. From being able to be promoted and moving from one, one point to another. And you think about that. How, how can this... He manifested in our day. I mean, at any given point, we could start to become, I say we, I'm just talking about the church in general could become so legalistic. No, I don't think anybody in the church says, oh, yeah, we're, 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 we need to obey the law, right? The whole law. But in principle, I remember there were a lot of folks in the church when I was a kid. They were living in the law. <laughs> they, they would not say that but in action you could see it and that's all I'll say so some of the things that um, are going on within the church and they're calling it um, God is not necessarily God it could be a, 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 a law principle and God's really just saying I brought you out of that why would you want to go back and be entangled with all of that again stay free stand fast but if you, if you start trying to attach everything um, that's not from me and say it's God, then you're going to step into this point that is going to drive you away from the course of action that I've laid out for you, and you're going to become in, ineffective for my kingdom. And, and this is what it says here, and you're not going to be able to step into grace. And then Paul says, for through the Spirit, through the pneuma, we wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. Man, can you imagine what the people were thinking when he's telling them this at that point? I mean, he's saying whether you're circumcised or not, it doesn't really matter. It's about faith in Jesus Christ and the freedom that he gives you in that. Which, okay, but, but faith which is works by the agape the agape in again and then he says you did run well you did run in the callos who did hinder you that you would not obey the truth and then bring it back to the aletheia who's who's done this to you who's caused you to to, to uh, this hindrance and he says this persuasion comes not from him that calls you 
I mean, he, Paul's very specific with the people. And he's, you know, he's not, he's not being hateful here. He's being very direct, and he's saying, do not associate with this. You know, you're so focused on the thing that you think's right, you're missing the whole point. And how many people are prone to do that? You know, they think their thing. I mean, we could, we could look at this from a lot of different angles, from the church, government, <laughs> Boy, we could definitely look at a lot of things going on right now and our government is just... But rather than focusing on what's... All of this is part of the plan. God is not... He's not confused about any of it. Um, he's going to work good. Good is coming out of this. Even if we can't recognize it, our job and our focus needs to be on continuing down the pathway of the agape. To seek it out, to follow after, you know, Paul wrote in in, in uh, 1 Corinthians fourteen, follow after the agape, go after it, <laughs> and and that's what we're to do. And as we do that, I believe we'll be directed to stay on this pathway of 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 purpose. And then Paul says, verse nine, a little leaven. 11 at the whole lump. I mean, now just a little bit. Just a dabble. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. Phroneo. There's the term that Pastor was teaching on many, many weeks ago. But he that troubles you, the word for trouble there is terasso. Whoever's stirring you up or agitating you. <laughs> He's going to bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Paul's using some really deep logic here. And, and well, it's not really deep. It's just trying to get people to think, um, if, if I'm preaching circumcision, then why am I suffering all this persecution? Because that's what you guys are really fussing about, right? Hey, this person's not circumcised over here. Oh, we're just up, up in arms, right? It doesn't make any sense. He's just trying to get people to think for themselves, not think for them. And <laughs> it doesn't take, if you, think, if you just really think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Then he's, is the offense of the cross ceased. And then he, he says in verse 12, I would that they were cut off. Cut off is a very, very picturesque term that if you look at it it refers um, to amputate or even mutilization is, is, is implied too in other words he's, he's saying cut it off don't it, 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 it sounds grotesque you get the point figuratively speaking he's, I'm not saying you need to go out and cut somebody's arm off you know because that arm offends you or, or pluck their eyes out He's just saying, I would don't have any association with this type of thought process. Trouble there is another word, though, which is interesting. It means to drive out of the home. It's just a, a total removal. Those that are doing this troubling, I would, I would that they were totally removed from your existence. That's a good thing. Man, it's already, but we're going to do it. I'm going to finish this two-pager. I'll definitely be able to finish two pages. <laughs> we only have two, um, two more passages here to go, so. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the, the next instance, and this is Peter uh, referencing this term, ekpipto. And it specifically says to act pipto from steadfastness in 2 Peter 3, verses 11 through 18. Seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, 
we according to his promise look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness wherefore beloved agapito seeing that you look for such things be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long-suffering our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things are hard to be understood. And, and I know this, this phrase is mentioned in other places in Hebrews. This means sometimes very difficult uh, to perceive is what it means. Which they are, which they that are, unlearned and those are just ignorant people and unstable unstable means they're they're here one day they're over here the next they're vacillating back and forth and it just <laughs> it creates instability it's it's crazy it almost sounds like our gov right one day they're here one day it's just seriously i mean and, and you wake up before you know it if you're if you're if you get so engrossed in what's going on governmentally sometimes you you i, I get that way in my mind where i'm like oh just doom, 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 just back and forth, like, who am I? What am I? You know, that kind of head spinning type thing. Um, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. Verse 17. You therefore, beloved, Paul mentioned this a second time, seeing you know these things before, beware, philatho. Isolate yourself away from this. This is the, the idea here is isolation. Don't associate with people that are unlearned. Don't don't anybody that's operating in instability or or the or <coughs> not the people the the thought process. I guess is what I'm what I'm really focused in on because that's what drives people. It's not the person. It's what's going on in the mind. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to have thoughts of ignorance agnoeo type things or, or or feeling like i'm unstable you know you've been around people that are like that right so wishy-washy they don't know uh gotta be careful they they don't they don't it they're wishy-washy that's a great way to say it i was gonna say it another way but i have to i can't say that on the air here it it's crazy it's crazy i mean the pathway that God wants people on is, is his agape. That's it. There's no other pathway that's the greatest. There's no other relationship type that's out there that's going to that's gonna bring fulfillment like being in an agape relationship. It's perfect. It's pure. It has no human... Anytime we refer to agape, it's nothing human. It has nothing to do with us other than God putting his agape within us to help us go after him and to go after his eternal purpose. But as far as saying, I'm going to, uh, you guys, you share this love here. Let's read from the love chapter. Well, no, that, that is not it. Because <laughs> we will never, ever in our relationship, husband and wife, be able to, he compares the church to Christ in that way but he didn't say we are that way so let's keep moving here we're almost done you know what Mark uh, one of the things that and I know you've, you've spoken about this love is a big topic in a lot of the progressive churches now and they speak about love almost like the hippies did in the 60s free love anything goes and if you really love you'll just let people do whatever they want to do no matter what they do you're just gonna love them and let them do it and what a contrast that is yeah from huge this, which is a commitment to a purpose a commitment to god you're going to stick with it no matter what comes you're going to hold on and and it's just like it's the battle of love and the enemy is using this word to try to lead people into whatever they want to do, whatever lusts they have, whatever breakings of scripture. And then, then, then that love.
love comes against scripture. Well, that can't be, the scripture can't be. It's telling us that you can't do this. If you really love, you'll let the people do this. Just really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a battle of love. Yeah. Or the definition of love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It sure is. And it, it's totally, as you mentioned, it, it, it contradicts the, the way that God describes his perfect love in scripture. And then, in, or in order to keep, yeah. And it is an alternate pathway. It is. It gets people off the the, the main the, the main pathway. Um, love never fails. Never goes off the pathway. But they're using love to draw people off. Off the pathway, pathway right? Yeah. That's 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 uh, that's the, the ironic part of it. Yeah. Is they're using scripture to pull people off the pathway. But they think themselves that that's part of the pathway. It's not. Good point, though. Really good point. And look how look how uh, Peter writes here. Now I haven't thought much about this, but the, the authors of, of of the different books of the Bible, I they were chosen for that task with specific reasons in mind. Now one of the things that I want to bring up here is I know that this phrase that uses to grow in grace he knew a lot about how to grow in grace because you think of all you know you think of what happened in the gospels with Peter I mean we know and we're just looking at him because he's, he's, he's human but why would he be the one that authored this part that says um, in the midst of all of this ekpipto and stuff like this um, the, the solution to not going off course and not becoming inefficient is to what? Grow in grace and in knowledge. Of all, every disciple, every apostle that he chose in the beginning, they all grew. But for Peter to pen this is very, very significant. He's speaking from experience. Now, you remember when he said, oh, I'll never deny you. Oh, I'll never do this. Jesus prophetically tells him, Peter, this is going to happen. This is one of those instances where he fell and he did something that he never intended to do. So for him to be able to write the solution to not falling away and becoming inefficient says a lot. And that's kind of what I want to focus, you know, uh, the attention at this point on is Peter is, he's not just, He's not writing this as a mental thing, as a good idea. He is, he is speaking from experience, and he's saying to these people at his time, during this time frame, don't, don't be led away with the error, and I didn't even go into all that. Don't be led away with the error, which is straying away from uh, uh, people that are wicked or lawless. That's what the wicked there, lawless or also another way of saying is being a criminal that's going to lead to falling at piptoeing from steadfastness here and steadfastness means stability being stable remember we just talked about um, how we need to stand and, and be uh, stationary and we talked about people that were um, unlearned and, and what was the what was the word um, unstable I mean, he just mentioned that above here. And he says, don't get wrapped up in all of this stuff that's going to lead you away from the truth and it's going to cause you to step into lawlessness and criminal activity that's going to lead you to getting off the, 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 the pathway and become inefficient and ultimately you're going to be unstable. That's what he's saying here. And you think about that. You think about the, the unstable people, the unstable organizations, the instability of our government right now. This applies in a lot of ways. We don't need to fear. We just need to continue down the agape pathway. And then he says, okay, so ekpiptoing from stability. He said, but... To keep this from happening, you grow in grace. That's the solution to not, uh, to not act pipto. That's 
that's a term. I'm going to use it. That's great. That's awesome. Are we growing in grace? Yeah, we're growing all the time. You know, some, just, just that term itself, grow in grace. If you were to walk down the street here and talk to the people at the Methodist Church, hey, what does it mean to grow in grace? Oh, I may, I may put this out on Facebook and just kind of see what you get. Hey, what does it mean to grow in grace? You, and let, just let people answer. Don't, don't answer back. Just see what people are thinking. You'll find, you'll find out a lot of, a, a, lot, a lot of people are going to go, well, you know, that means something about salvation, right? No. <laughs> this is Peter right, many, many years. So you get all these ideas that are not even a part of this. But Peter's saying this is the solution that's going to keep you in a state of stability and not falling away and getting off the wrong course. I don't know about you, but I want to be effective in the kingdom. I don't want to be ineffective. And the moment that I think I need to take another course or another pathway is the minute or the millisecond that I become ineffective when I know this is my calling. That's when the inefficiencies come. And we can spot inefficiencies in an organization in a heartbeat. Boy, I mean, I could tell you right now, I could list four or five things right now. A lack of coaching, a lack of mentoring. I mean, there's two right there that I know in an organization I'm in right now, and we're working on it. We're trying to make it better. So once you identify any, any, something that's causing you to be inefficient, then there's an action required for us to become efficient. It's not just going to happen by itself, you know. So much of the church, when I was growing up, everything was just going to happen automatically. Oh, if God wants me to do this, this will happen. That, that almost sounds like God's uh, working independently apart from my own will, right? He's not going to do that. He wants to partner with us. And, uh, yeah, it's almost 10. We're on the last one, Stacy. We're there. Oh, you're not going to make But growing grace and the knowledge. And then he seals it with amen, though, right? I, I, I think the sealing with amen here is very significant, too, because we know it goes back to Amon. This is what I'm saying from my right hand. And he links it back to, it, it's linked to agape, it's linked to beloved, it's linked to all of the information that's in here. It's so important. Now, the church at Ephesus, of all churches, and we are an Ephesus-like church, so this is for us, for a church like us. A church like us. This is us. Under the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that uh, Krateos, the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know your works, number one, your labor and your patience, and I know that you cannot bear them that are kakos. And... You've tried them that say they are apostles. How do you try those people that say they're run, uh, operating in the apostolic? Wait a minute. Are we supposed to do that? Well, that's what, that's what it says right here. These group, an Ephesus-like church has the ability that God's given them to try those that verbally say, I'm apostolic or I'm an apostle, right? That's just something else we need to think about. And, and you found them to be liars. Liars, they're, they're, they're deceptive. They're, they're, there's falsehoods that they're sharing. And you've borne, you've had patience for my name's sake. You've labored and you've not fainted. They've done a lot of things. Right. Nevertheless, I have someone against you because you've left your proto-sagape. The answer to recognition of leaving agape is remember. Call to mind the things where you have ekpiptoed from. Okay, so if 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 we ever get to a point and we move away from the agape, all we need to do is remember, remember how we got off course, and then repent. Repentance is needed. Metanoia, and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove the candlestick out of its place. Except you, metanoia. But for this thou hast, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that has an ear, let him hear what he says to the churches. 
To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life that's in the paradise of God. And so with that said, I mean, I, I don't think I need to say any more there about that. We've, we've really touched on, you know, the you've got paradise that's here. It's a real place, spiritual place. Um, as we overcome in this place that's a theos, we're able to partake of the tree of life and eat from it. And from that tree, there's healing that just becomes a part of who we are. And then we, sh we, we, bring, we can bring healing to the nations by virtue of our overcoming. So all the things that we encounter, all the, all the inefficiencies, all the times where we felt like we needed to go another direction, but we came back and we metanoia and we said, Lord, I repent. You know, I turned from that. And I, I know I got off the pathway. All of that. It's part of overcoming, and inside you is a medicine that's healing for nations. I think that's really cool. It's very, very deep. That's the heat going, and it almost sounds like rain coming down. But anyway, I am done. So any, any final thoughts or comments anybody want to make before uh, um, our, our own Dennis Stewart comes up to bring us to a closure? <laughs> Stacy, did you are you gonna say that? I was gonna say it was really good. <laughs> Thank you very much.